here's the deal. I'm warning you. Brian's talking is not matching Brian's mouth, okay? Just, and I know that's like really cringy to try to watch that and try to be like, what is he? So just kind of halfway look at him, but don't pay too much attention to the fact that he's not speaking with his mouth. Some of you may be techie people, and you're like, I can fix that in like five minutes. Well, teach me how, because I tried for like three hours, <laughs> and I couldn't fix it. So all that to say, we have the video, and we are going to watch it, and live stream is going to watch it, and it'll be great. You have your outline in here. It's not going to show up on the screen, obviously, because he's up there. So there's a link for the online people to get to the sermon outline as well. So follow along, and here we go. That being said, I, I want to ask you to pray with me this morning. Jesus, I love you, and I love these people. I love, I love your church. Jesus, we love you. And so this morning, we ask that you would... All right, good morning, everybody. I'm so glad you're with us this morning. I'm on video this morning because we had somebody in the family uh, test positive for COVID, and we just don't want to take any chance of sharing that with you. And so uh, I will be um, live streaming with you on Sunday. I'll be at home uh, worshiping via the live stream. Um, but just wanted you to know how much we love you, how much we care about you. That being said, I, I want to ask you to pray with me this morning. Jesus, I love you, and I love these people. I love, I love your church. Jesus, we love you. And so this morning, we ask that you would speak to our hearts, that you'd move deep inside our souls and that you would well up faith inside of us, that our faith would be stronger, our faith would be fresher, and that our faith would go forward in this coming year. Jesus, we pray that you would do what only you can in Jesus' name, in your name, amen. All that said, we're going to continue a series this morning that we're calling Faith Forward. We're talking about how to lean into our faith, looking not backward to going back before the pandemic, but looking forward into what Jesus will do in our future. I read a story a number of years ago. It's a true story. It came out of the 1968 Olympics in Mexico City. There were many runners in the marathon race, but one of the runners in particular, the runner from Tanzania, had some problems as he was running the race. He stumbled at one point. He ended up bruised and bloodied. Uh, he actually ended up with a dislocated or a broken leg, I'm not sure which, and he had to receive medical care while the race was ongoing. But as soon as he received that care, he got back on the road and continued to run. And of course, he ran at a quicker pace or a slower pace rather than everybody else's quick pace, and he didn't have any chance of winning the race. But he didn't quit. And even though everyone had already finished the race long before him, when he came into the Olympic Stadium and he began to round the corner, most people had moved on, but there were still several thousand in attendance, and they began to cheer for him as he ran all the way around 
the Olympic Stadium and then finished his race. There he stood, battered, but not giving up. When he was asked, why didn't you quit? He simply said, my, kin my country didn't send me halfway around the world to start the race. They sent me here to finish it. And Jesus didn't come to our world to start our faith. He came to both start our faith and finish our faith. And so as I think about living faith forward, I have an honest concern for us at this moment of the pandemic. It's a concern for everyone who claims the name of Christ. And the basic concern is this. After two years of all the pandemic, how's your faith? Because I'm deeply concerned that there are a lot of us, some of you who may be watching, who've kind of reached the place of just saying, you know what, I'm tired of all of it. I hear from a lot of people who say, I'm so sick and tired of the pandemic. I'm so sick and tired of all the restrictions. I'm so sick and tired of everything. So I'm just giving up on all of it, my faith included. So how's your faith? You know, two years or so in, is your faith stronger? Is it weaker? Is there something you need to engage again? Is there something to begin again? Because as we begin another year, there's no better time than right now to engage your faith and begin again. I guess in a lot of senses, I'm asking you, is there a moment here in the pandemic where you've been ghosting your faith in the last 24 months? Do you know that term, ghosting, right? It's a popular term, pop culture term that's popped up in the last decade or two, comes out of the dating scene. Ghosting someone is, is when you just drop them altogether. It's when you just stop texting, stop calling. Happens a lot in the dating world where two people are dating and then suddenly one just stops responding to the other. I'm wondering if, you're, if you've done any ghosting of your faith in 2020, 2021. I sure hope you won't ghost your faith in 2022. Which just leads me to a couple of big questions. Not that we're into our notes yet. We'll begin those with scripture in just a moment. But a couple of big questions just run through my mind. One, what aspects of my own faith have I ghosted in the last 24 months or so? And what in my faith do I need to pick back up? That might be faith itself. That might be some element of the faith. It might be grace. It might be kindness. It might be love and mercy. It might be compassion. It might be something functional like being in my Bible. It might be my prayer life. It, it might be my serving life and my servanthood and my sacrifice. It might be my generosity. There's any number of things. So I'm asking you, I'm asking me, what, what have I ghosted in the last 24 months about my faith? And what do I need to begin again? The second question I want to ask you, because you may come to the place of saying, you know what, I haven't ghosted my faith, and I'm not going to. And if you're not, that's good. But you might be wondering to yourself, you know, I know someone who has. And that's my second question. Who do you know who's missing? Who's, who's disappeared? And, and we don't judge folks like that. We welcome them back. We love on them. We, we want to offer them grace and mercy and compassion. And we want to see them engage their faith again. So who do you know who has set aside their faith in the last couple of years? And 
Let's, let's help them go faith forward. Let's remind them that we're on their side, that we believe in them, that God cares about them and we care about them. And in the end, let's talk about how together we can all develop a faith that will never give up. How do we grow a faith that never gives up? That said, I want to go to a specific place in the Bible. I want to go to a familiar passage. It's in Hebrews chapter 12. But before I get there, I'm going to have to back up a little bit to Hebrews chapter 10. You probably know the book of Hebrews is written to a Jewish people by a somewhat anonymous author. People uh, debate. Some say Paul wrote the book. Others, others say Paul didn't write the book. I, I personally, I don't think Paul wrote the book, but I'm not sure. There's no way to be certain. That being said, we know the author was writing to Jewish people who became Christ followers, but were suffering, suffering persecution, great persecution, physical persecution for their faith. And the author is writing them to say, you know what? Don't abandon your faith at a time like this, but run with it. And it's clearly the message of really the second half of the book of Hebrews, if not the entire book. Let me show you, beginning in Hebrews chapter 10, I'm going to start reading in verse 32. It says, remember those, Hebrews 10, 32, remember those earlier days after you had received the light, when you had endured in a great, in, in a great conflict full of suffering? Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insults and persecution. And at other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and more lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. He's saying, don't throw away your faith. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he, what God has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. He's reminding them that Jesus will return. He adds, and my righteous one will live by faith, and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed. We belong, those of us in the faith, belong to those who have faith and are saved. He's challenging them to run with perseverance, the language he will use in Hebrews 12, to run with perseverance their faith. He goes on to say, Hebrews 11, 1, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. And then he begins to talk about the ancients and he runs through a litany of Old Testament Hebrew uh, heroes. He speaks about how the universe was formed at God's command. He talks about how Abel offered a better offering than Cain did by faith, how Enoch was not taken from this life and he did not experience death, how by faith Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark, how by faith Abraham, when called to a place he would later, later receive as an inheritance, he didn't shrink back, but he obeyed and went, even though he did not go where he was going. And he goes on and on and on, mentioning a lot of the different ancients of the faith. Then he ends the chapter, Hebrews 11, this way. He said, these were all commended for their faith, verse 39, chapter 11. Yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. 
goes on Hebrews 12 1 no rule break here therefore the therefore is back to chapter 10 back to chapter 11 same argument therefore since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses witnesses to what witnesses to faith since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses let us throw off everything that hinders hinders what hinders faith and throw and let us throw off the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us what is the race marked out for us it is the race of faith let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer the author and the perfecter of our faith for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary, so that you will not lose heart. Very quickly, I want to run through, well, before I get to that, before I talk about four ways to feed our faith that come right from the text. I want to give you the point of this message. The one thing that this message is about, we're talking about how to live faith forward. And I want to tell you this, based on this text, living faith forward means feeding my faith. It means persevering in my faith. It means running in my faith. It means leaning into my faith. But for note purposes, I wrote it this way. Living faith forward means feeding my faith especially when it would be easier not to. The easier not to for them is when they were suffering physical persecution. Now, you and I probably aren't there yet, and we can talk all day long about how there are systems or various things in America that oppose our faith. But I'm not physically shedding blood for my faith at this stage of my life, and you're likely not either. Nonetheless, he is encouraging us to feed our faith because there are things that would make it easier not to. That there are forces in play that are bigger than just the forces of this world. And he is exhorting us to live our faith, to run with our faith, to feed our faith. So that said, I wanna give you four ways to feed your faith, four ways for me to feed my faith this morning. Number one, if I have to look back, because we're talking about running a race, right? And he says, fix your eyes on Jesus. And we're talking about living forward. I'm reminded of, of um, my days when, when my girls would run track or cross country. And it was common on the track, it was, it was common on the course to hear people say, keep your eyes up. Because when you get exhausted and you're running, do you know where your eyes naturally go? Yeah, they go down. They look at the ground. The ground just looks like it's coming at you. And so it's common to hear eyes forward, eyes out front, eyes up. In a lot of senses, that's what I'm encouraging us to do with our faith today. So if my eyes have to look back, because that is one of the things we do when we run a marathon, when we run long distance races, we look back to see who's behind us. It just slows us down. If my eyes have to look back, then the encouragement here is to look back at Jesus' faithfulness. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great 
cloud of witnesses, witnesses to the faith. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. If I'm going to look back, then I want to look back at the faithfulness of Jesus. I want to look back at the faithfulness of God. That's the therefore in Hebrews 12.1. And that therefore is there for a reason. It's there to tell us to look back at Hebrews 11. And what are those saints doing? They're witnessing to God's faithfulness. In fact, we read about it in chapter 10. There was a reference to God's faithfulness. Even before the passage we read, there was a second reference. Hebrews 10, 23 says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. It's telling us that God is faithful. And if I'm going to look back at my life, if I'm going to look back at history, if I'm going to look back in my Bible, then what I want to look back for is Jesus' faithfulness. Certainly in your story and mine, there are a lot of things you can look back into your life at and you you can tell your story by just telling of the faithfulness of Jesus to your life. In fact, that's a great way to organize your testimony because he has been faithful to you in countless ways. So if I have to look back, look back at Jesus' faithfulness. This is reminding me of the saints of old and God's faithfulness to them. And yes, it's by faith Noah did this. And yes, it's by faith Noah did that. By faith Abraham did this. And by faith Abraham did that. And it's exhorting us certainly to live by faith. But bigger than that, the story of the scripture is the story of God's faithfulness. From chapter 1 of Genesis to the final chapter of Revelation, it is the story of the faithfulness of God. If we have to look back, let's look back at the faithfulness of Jesus. With every one of these points today, I want to give us a key habit, a key discipline to focus on if we're going to feed our faith. You know, spiritual discipline, spiritual habits are just that. They take effort. It's easy to fall out of the habit, and it's hard to get back into the habit. And yet, that's why we call it discipline, right? So I want to give you some key disciplines for this first point about Jesus' faithfulness. This key discipline is reading my Bible. It's why I've often challenged us with these bookmarks. It's why all year long we provide a Bible reading plan. It's why we put breaks in the Bible reading plan, because we want you to catch up and we want you to begin again. And when you fall off, we want you to open your Bible and read it. It's why I'm always talking about the need to read my Bible, because when I read my Bible, it feeds my faith. So the key discipline here for us, if we're looking back, is to look back at the faithfulness of Jesus when we read our Bibles. Number two, how do I feed my faith? When I'm looking within, it's natural when I'm running the race and I'm tired, when I'm losing heart, when I'm physically exhausted, it's natural to do some inward inspection. And when I'm looking within, I need to look within to receive Jesus' forgiveness and to release my baggage. I need to look within to receive the forgiveness of Jesus Christ so that I can release the things that are holding me back, so that I can release my baggage. I can't do that without the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. That's part of his faithfulness. Yes, I will naturally look within, and yes, it's common to get so tired that you look inside yourself and you say, I don't know if I can do this, and I just feel like giving up. And when you look within and you're in that moment, 
I want you to look within enough to say, you know what, I just need the faithfulness and the forgiveness of Jesus. And then I want you to receive it. And then I want you to let go of some things. Verse 1 said, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out with us, for us. I think the key discipline for, here for us is this idea that I'm going to call exercising grace. Exercising grace. I'm using the word exercise for a reason. It's another habit, discipline kind of concept. That if I'm going to really endure this season, I've got to get better at grace for myself. I've got to get better at grace for other people. Have you ever noticed in your own life, maybe, maybe you have, maybe you haven't, but I know in mine, when I'm getting short with other people, it's because I'm not doing a very good job of receiving the grace of God in my own life. And usually I have some things going on in me where I'm mad at me, I'm frustrated with me. There's some things I need to let go of, and I take it out on other people. So that said, exercising grace means that I need to receive forgiveness for my own sin. That's how I can throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. I can't do that on my own. I need Jesus for that. I need his grace for that. And if I'm going to release the baggage, if I'm going to lay aside every weight and every sin... If I'm going to lay aside my emotional baggage and my regret and my guilt and my anger and my frustration and my pain and my suffering, if I'm going to lay aside those things, the things that happened in my past, the things that weren't fair in my life, the things that were done to me that hold me back, if I'm going to lay aside the mindsets that get inside my soul that convince me that I have focused on the wrong things and that I don't need God, convince me that I don't need any of this, that I should just live for pleasure, that I should just forget it all. If I'm going to lay those things aside, I need to receive Jesus' forgiveness. I need to exercise grace because then I can exercise grace with other people. Then I can lay aside the past that weighs me down, the distractions that hold me back, the worries and anxieties that literally act like cement around my feet. When I'm looking within, I need to look within for the forgiveness of Jesus. I need to exercise that grace with me and with others. Number three, knowing that I'm running forward, I need to keep my eyes open and forward keep my eyes open and forward, looking for Jesus's hand in my path. I want you to notice that he says, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders. Let us throw off the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance, run with endurance, the race marked out for us. I need to look for the hand of Jesus in my path. This is keeping my eyes up. This is keeping my eyes off of other people. It's not looking at other people in the race and saying, well, I'm doing better than them and I'm doing worse than them. And man, they're a lot better than me, so I might as well give up. This is keeping my eyes on Jesus. Literally, as it says in verse 2, fixing my eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of my, pay, my faith. I need to do this. I need to look for my path and the hand of Jesus in my path, and I need to run my race. It's not a comparison. There is a key discipline here 
I think the key discipline here is to put my faith in action. The, the one word for this would be obedience. I need to look for the hand of Jesus in my path. And when, when the hand of Jesus is there from my Bible reading, when the hand of Jesus is from there from my worship and from my walking with others and from my living his life of love, when the hand of Jesus is there, I just need to obey it. I just need to obey him. I just need to follow him. What I believe in my faith, I need to put into practice in my life. I need to put into action in my life. I need to look for the hand of Jesus in my path, but then I need to obey him and follow him so that I can run with perseverance the race marked out for me. One last thought. If I'm going to feed my faith, knowing that my eyes need to be forward, number four, I need to fix my eyes forward on Jesus himself. Fix my eyes on Jesus himself for the strength to endure suffering. The Bible talks about a lot of kinds of suffering that we'll go through in this world. There's the suffering of persecution, certainly. There's the suffering of opposition to our faith. There's, there's, the, there's the suffering of physical pain. There's the suffering of sickness. There's the suffering of a number of things we go through in this world. And if I'm going to endure any and all of that suffering, I can't do it on my own. I can't. And if you're at the point of giving up, that should just drive you to take your eyes off yourself and put them either on Jesus for the first time or back on Jesus because there already was a first time. Literally, it says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. We're the joy set before him. Obedience to God, his father, was the joy set before him. The salvation of our souls was the joy set before him who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. It also adds, verse 3, consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary, so that you will not lose heart. If you think you and I are the only ones to suffer opposition, the only ones to suffer pain, the only ones to suffer from sin, the only ones to suffer from persecution, look again at the life of Jesus all of that, including all of our sin, was poured out on him on the cross, and he endured. It says, so that we will not grow weary. Growing weary is what wears down our body. It's exhaustion. It says, so that we will not lose heart. Losing heart is what wears down our hearts. It's losing motivation. To do this, I need to keep my eyes on Jesus. It couldn't be any more clear. I cannot humanly do this in my flesh without God in my life. I cannot do this without Jesus in my life. I need to fix my eyes on Jesus, the starter, the initiator of my faith, the finisher, the perfecter of my faith. I need to consider him. That word consider means to think about carefully and actively with effort and precision. By consider, he's telling us to hold up Christ as our model and to constantly look for, to him for inspiration and encouragement. If we consider what Jesus endured, it will help us endure a world that continues to look more hostile and opposed to our faith. And we must fix our eyes on him, on Jesus, if we're going to persevere. You know, when you run a race, it says, 
to run with perseverance the race marked out for us. When you run, when you run a race, most of the people aren't running. Yes, there's a handful of people running with you, but most of the people are on the sidelines cheering for you or cheering for someone else. Very few actually run. But no believer in Jesus runs with endurance by their own strength. We are, as the Bible says, very weak. But we don't run alone because we belong to him, because we are his. And so we're to run with his strength in our lives. There is a key discipline here. That key discipline is to talk with the author of our faith every day. It's the discipline of prayer. To talk with the author of my faith every day. To refocus on him every day. He's the one who started my faith. He's the one that's going to finish my faith. When I read the prophecy of the Bible, I read about the end of time. I read the book of Revelation. There's a lot we can debate there. But the book is clear. Jesus wins. And so I need to put my faith in him. So how about you? Is he the focus of your life? Have you lost some of that? Have you been ghosting some element of your faith? Is today the day you need to say, I'm going to begin faith again? Is today the day you need to say, my faith needs to be stronger in 2022? Is today the day where you say, I need to begin faith for the very first time? That I want Jesus to be the focus of my life, not my problems, not the people I'm mad at, not how tired I am, not myself not focusing on getting even, not focusing on getting back, not focusing on going back, not focusing on my pain, not focusing on the pandemic, but focusing on Jesus, fixing my eyes on him. That's how I'm going to go faith forward in 2022. If you need that and want that, can I pray it for you right here, right now? We always end our services with two prayers. As we pray today, I certainly want to pray them both with you. And I would encourage you to pray them with me. The first is a prayer of salvation. The second, a prayer of application. We can be saved because Jesus endured the cross, scorned his shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We can endure the cross because he rose from the dead. We can endure pain and suffering because he endured the cross. And after he died, he rose from the dead. That being said, do you have him? Do you know him? Have you received his forgiveness and his grace? If you, if you need him, would you receive him right now? Pray just like this. Dear Jesus, take over my life. Forgive my sin. Be the God of my world. Be the God of my life. Jesus, I repent. I turn to you. I put my faith in you. I believe that you died for my sin. I believe that you rose again. So help me fix my eyes on you, Jesus. I begin my faith in you today. In Jesus' name, amen. If that's you and you prayed that prayer for the very first time, man, that's cool. Man, that's exciting. Would you celebrate that with me? With me? Would you let me know? You can tell someone who invited you to watch. You can, you can email me. I'm Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at harvestchurcheugene.com. You can tell someone around you. Would you tell somebody? Would you fill out our digital communication card and tell us there? I mean, just let us know that you've begun the faith. Such a powerful first step. Would you? 
We always end with two prayers. The second is a prayer of application. If you've already followed Jesus in your life and you want to live faith forward in 2022, would you pray this prayer of application with me? Whether somebody's there or not, dear Jesus, I'm committing my faith to you this year. And I ask that you help me to feed my faith and that you, Jesus, would grow my faith. Every day, help the eyes of my heart to see your faithfulness and lean in. To see your forgiveness and release my baggage. To see your hand in my path and obey. To see your endurance and talk to you every day about mine. Jesus, give me your strength in the face of my suffering. In Jesus' name. So two prayers. I hope you're following Jesus. I hope you're living faith forward. I can't wait till the next week I get to be with you and continue this series. All of that said, I hope you certainly know. I miss you all. I love you. I'll see you soon.